You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Um, so that was this week as well. So we, my kitchen was a big sticky mess after that. But it was great and it was fun. And even our two-year-olds got involved in that. So it was a great time. Another thing happened this week that I wanted to share with you is Ron and I, um, our grandson, his birthday is December 23rd, which is a very unfortunate day to have a birthday. (laughs) And some of you probably in the month of December close to Christmas understand that. So we decided to celebrate with him early. So we took him out to breakfast and at Biscuits over here by Fred Meyer's. And, oh, it was Monday. It was actually Monday. So uh, we took him out to breakfast to begin the day, and then we had some Lego shopping and a movie to go to with him. He's going to be turning nine. So as we were leaving the Fred Myers parking lot and at the stop sign before you turn right across the street from the urgent care, we uh, spotted a wallet in the middle of the street. So I said, Ron, is that a wallet? And, and so we, we were at the stop sign, so he got out and grabbed the wallet. And so I was looking through it, and it was loaded. I mean, there was a ton of cash in it, 50s and 20s and things like that. So I looked at the driver's license. I thought, you know, I think I might know the connection here. And so I couldn't find him on social media, but I thought it was, I thought it was the son of a mom that I know who's in Hawaii, so I messaged her, and I oh I tried to call her a messenger. And if you if you're familiar with that that Facebook um, you know option of making a phone call, it's kind of weird if you don't do it all the time. It's like what's that? And so anyway, I called her. She didn't answer, but she texted me right back and said, "Were you?" did you just accidentally call me? Um, and I text back, no, I need to talk to you. And so she called me uh, right back, and I said, hey, I think I found your son's wallet. And is it such and such? And she says, yes. She goes, but you know what the amazing thing is? I was just praying. I, I was praying, God, I just need to know that you're near. I need to know your presence in my life. I need to feel you. And um, she says, then, you, then this call. And I thought, you know, God has our number. He has our number. He knows us, and he knows what we need. And so anyway, she called her son before I, I got the number. She gave me his number, and then she called him immediately. And she said, hey, do you have your wallet? He was, uh, he was on his way to work. He goes, yeah, why? And he go, she goes, are you sure you have your wallet? And he looked, and he goes, oh, no, I don't have my wallet. And so um, he had just gone to the ATM and um, was on his way to work. And so what happened, he stopped at that stop sign before he pulled out to readjust his seatbelt because it had been stuck in the door, and he opened his door, and his wallet had fallen out. And I think, you know what? And our grandson was in the back seat when all this was taking place. And I said, Jack, isn't it great to be part of someone else's miracle? And I just want to encourage you that you get to be part of someone's miracle this this, um, Christmas season. Just pray for those divine moments. And what I think is the cool thing, he didn't go through that panic. You know, he would have gotten to one point sooner than later, and he would have been like, where's my wallet, you know? And when you're a young man and you just went to the ATM, 
that is big. I mean, it's big for any of us, but that would have been a great, big, huge panic. And so I was glad that he didn't even have to go through that. And God meets us that way. I, I wonder how many things we've avoided crisis because God has been there for us beforehand. We don't know that. And I'm so I'm so thankful that we serve a God who cares so much for us. So I just want to encourage you, ask for those divine divine moments. Be part of someone else's miracle. And that miracle is just, I mean, as simple as being kind. Because this year, this time of year, there are some of us who need a, a boatload of kindness in our life. And so I want you to just be encouraged. Be, be that person that can bless someone else. We're going to continue our series. Um, We're doing the Advent. And Advent is from the 6th century, and it comes from the Latin word Adventus. And it means the coming, the arrival, the approach of Jesus Christ. And I, I love that. But the bottom line this morning that I want to talk about, that the Advent is the consistent longing on the part of God to know us to have us for his own, and to be known. And Jesus made Advent real by by making God known to us. When Jesus came, he made God known to us. That is huge. And I think we're so familiar with Christmas and the story of Jesus that we miss the, the wonder of that God came to us. But why did Jesus come when he did? Why did he come 2,000 years ago? Why not 3,000 years ago? Why not 100 years ago? Why did the Messiah come when he did? Um, Why not sooner? Why not later? We're going to look at the scripture this morning out of Galatians chapter 4, 1 through 7. And And so if you'll just follow along with me. It says this, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children... Those children are not much better off than the slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it, it, it was with us before Christ came. When we were like children, we were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. And I think there's more. <laughs> But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, and since we're his child, God has made you his heir. That is so beautiful, and it says, but when the right time came. So what made that the right time? Isn't that interesting? What made it the right time that that Jesus would come? Well, I want to look at a few reasons why that may have been the right time. I think these are very, um, God always does things on time. And so one of the things... Um, that ha- what was happening in that time was that the expectation 
for the Messiah was ripe. It was, they were ready. Verse 3 says, we were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Well, Paul was speaking a language that the, that the Jews completely understood. They understood about slavery. They had been slaves to the Egyptians, to the Babylonians, to the Syrians, to the Romans. They were, um, they understood that language of slavery. And so uh, they, so the expectation was right for the Messiah to come, for that freedom that they longed for. And Paul says that we're, they were also slaves to their own law. So when in the Old Testament, God put into place the law for them to understand and know God and to, to um, practice knowing God. And so they, God gave them the law. And, but like any of us understand, as diligent and as attentive and as determined as you are to keep all the rules and all the laws, it's impossible. It's just simply impossible to follow the law completely all the time. So then God gave them the, um, the animal sacrifice so that they could bring animals and sacrifice and atone for their sins. So then, then they brought the sacrifices to the tabernacle. They would bring a calf, and they would bring a goat, and they would bring a lamb, and or they would bring a, a bird, or whatever that, that atonement that they would bring. They would bring those sacrifices to atone for their sin. But that also went on and on and on, day after day, week after week, month after month, Year after year, they would need to do this. And it was this continual thing to where Judaism felt like Groundhog's Day, in that every day was the same. They would get up, and they would need to atone for their sin through the sacrifices that they brought. And so that was bondage. It was, it was a law that um, just kept them enslaved to that principle of keeping the law and keeping their faith. But with all of that, with the bondage came a longing. There was such a deep desire for freedom, a longing to know and to draw close to God. There was a prayer that was prayed at that time by a sect of pious Jews. Many Jews and many Jews still pray it today. And the prayer goes like this. I believe with perfect faith for the coming of the Messiah. And even though he tarries, I will wait for him every coming day. There was a deep expectation. There was a longing for the Messiah. There was, a, there was an emotional longing for a relationship with, with God. So just before Jesus came, the expectation with the Jews was at all-time high. So that was one of the reasons that the time was right Every Jewish woman would wonder, am I going to be the mother of the Messiah? Another part, another thing to consider was that this was the right time that Jesus would come, that the season was right. It says, but when the right time came in verse 4, God is all about doing things on time. Sometimes we think God is too slow, and no, we're just too fast. Sometimes we think God is too just, um, we think God is late 
oftentimes when we pray for things, we think, God, you're just too late. No, we're too early. But God does things right on time. Ecclesiastes 3 talks about how there's a time for everything, a time for every season, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time for war and a time for peace. So God's all about timing, and his timing is perfect, even though it's very difficult for us sometimes when we, got, when we need something, we're desperate for something, but God's timing is right. And so the season was right. Uh, Paul says, but when the right time came, they were also spiritually ready. They were, um, their expectation, the ex- expectation for a Messiah was ready. The season was right, it was the right time, but they were also spiritually ready. They were open and hungry for the Messiah to come. People, Jews and non-Jews, were burned out on the polytheistic faith of the Rome, of yeah, the Romans and the Greeks, which was uh, many gods, um, multiple gods to worship. They were burned out on that, and so Judaism's one God was very appealing. It was very attractive to Jews and non-Jews. So they were spiritually ready. Culturally, they were ready. Alexander the Great had. Um, done a lot of things. He was not alive during this time, but his influence was definitely still present. And he had a dream. He had a dream that the whole world would be Greek and that they would have the Greek language, the Greek culture, all the things that he wanted to make the world um, completely Greek. So he his plan was to take over the world. And so He wanted uh, everyone to speak Greek, like I said, that every nation would speak Greek. And he was pretty successful. Alexander the Great was very successful. Uh, He was no underachiever by any means. Um, But it was said that you could go from the British Isles all the way to India speaking the same language, the language of Greek, which is also the language of the New Testament at that time. So Greek is the most precise language ever to convey human thought. And so this was in place. So the culturally, they were ready. They, they were ready. It, the time was ripe. But not only that, Alexander the Great, when he conquered Jerusalem, he encouraged the Jews to travel across the world and form pockets of Judaism. So you could go anywhere on the globe and you'd have these synagogues that had popped up and it didn't matter where you were, you could go into these synagogues, speak the same same language and share ideas. And so this was this made it culturally ready for the Messiah to come. So the other thing is the time, the time was right politically. The central power of the world at that time was Rome. And so Caesar was in charge, and so was the Pax Romana, which is the Roman peace. But get this. This is what the Roman peace, this is what they considered peace. Romans regarded peace not as an absence of war, but the rare situation which existed when all opponents had been beaten down and lost the ability to resist. So as far as they were concerned, that was peace. So they were ready politically for freedom. They were ready for a Messiah to come. Politically, they were ready. The time was right. 
Rome, though, had also brought in the road system. So Rome wanted to connect cities and countries, and they were also very successful in that they built 250 million my 250,000 miles of roads. 250,000 miles of roads. That was 2,000 years ago. Many of those roads are still operable. People travel on them. They're still there. And that's pretty astonishing, considering we don't even have roads in Canby that are paved. And so... <laughs> 250, a quarter million miles of roads. I think that's pretty astounding. So Rome paved the world at that time. So you have this relative safety for people to travel from one side of the world to another, speaking the same language, sharing ideas. And one of those people who took advantage of that was the Apostle Paul. He took advantage of this. It said that he, it said that he traveled over 15,000 miles either by foot or by sea to share the gospel. So now you have the gospel in the most precise language ever, Greek, to people who are hungrier than ever, going to places more freely than ever before. It was the fullness of time. Finally, the person and the action was right. Verse 4 says, God sent forth his son. That implies that Jesus was somewhere else before he came to us. The Knox translation says it this way, then God sent out his son on a mission to us. The time was right. Isaiah 6, 9, 6, and Shannon shared it this morning, says, for to us a child is born. This prophecy was Years and years and years before it ever happened. And it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ was in the presence of God, the Father, the second person of the triune God. And he was, he was, dispatched to come to us. He was dispatched into action to be with us. It's no wonder that Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, I came into this world to tell about the truth. He was on a rescue mission, leaving God's presence to be in our presence. I want to share with you, and as a matter of fact, I love it so much, i Put it on your notes. If you didn't pick one up on your way in, then you might want to pick one of these up on your way out. Hopefully, this is something you'd, you'll be able to share with uh, your family or friends. And it's from the Biola Advent Project. And I love this. And it's not too late to jump right in. If you want to be part of the Biola Advent Project, just uh, Google it, 2017, and they'll e- email you the devotion each day. But this one just really has kind of burrowed its way into my heart, and I wanted to share it this morning. It's titled, Unamazed. Excuse me. See, it's hard for me to understand the miracle of Jesus' birth. Not just the miracle that a virgin birthed a child, but more that God allowed himself to be birthed. That God allowed himself to be bound by bone and blood and breath. That vocal cords contain 
the word. Jesus left his throne and found himself in a manger. The eyes that saw the past, the present, and the future now struggled with the sight of light. The hands that formed all creation now clutched the finger of a teenaged girl. He left the angel's melodies of holy, holy, holy for the virgin's vulnerable lullabies. Jesus left a place we could only imagine for a place we wish we could forget. But that's not even the crazy part. The crazy part is that he knew what would happen after his birth. He knew that he was leaving a place without sickness for a world filled with it. Jesus came here knowing that he would have to deal with sores and headaches, price gouging, corrupt governments, racism, injustice. He knew that he would ultimately face a humiliating death, stripped, suffocated, and shamed. He knew that he would endure the disgrace of criminal death and be separated from the Father for the first time on that cross. He knew Jesus left a place where tears didn't exist to endure human pain. What did he feel when he first cried that Christmas night? What did he feel when he last cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he do it? We all know the answer. To save us. It's so easy for us to say. It's so familiar. But couldn't he have done it another way? Couldn't, he have been an, couldn't there have been an easier way? Did he really have to become human? Couldn't he have just taken away the pain? Couldn't he have reconnected us with God another way? No. Jesus chose the path he did, knowing the consequences and knowing the reward. He purposely emptied himself and chose the road of sacrifice, humbly offering his righteousness for our brokenness. He showed us that it's possible to thrive in our fractured world by living out kingdom wholeness. So he went from God to goat, from glory to guilt, and that's how the first advent started. Jesus came at just the right time 2,000 years ago, and he's right on time for us. The time is right, right now. Our want is ripe. We want freedom. We want peace. We want clarity. We want understanding. And we want to make sense of this life. We are spiritually ready. We want and need God to touch our life. We need him to touch our family, our children, our community, our nation, and our world. We recognize the need for God because things are very messed up in our world. We are certainly culturally ready. We live in a mixed up and upside down world. A culture where we have to define which lives matter. Jesus came for all people, for all humanity. And yet our culture, we have to define which lives matter. Our identity is shaped by this upside-down world, legalism and prejudice. What we have and what we don't have shapes our identity. We think too much of ourselves, or we think too little of ourselves. Where we're born matters in this upside-down world. What country, what state, what county matters. 
who should be revered and who should be feared matters in this culturally upside-down world. Culturally, we are ready. Family values are challenged every single day. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And politically, we're ready. We are ready for the Prince of Peace and the Mighty Counselor. Amen. And personally, we are ready. We need Jesus. Jesus, who was both God and man, came to be our Savior. Fully God and fully man. He had to be human because he represented us to feel all the pain we feel. But he had to be God to have enough value to atone for our sin. If you, and, if you or I said, I'm going to die for the sins of this world, and then we died, you know what would happen? We'd be dead, and that's it. <laughs> but he had the value that he gave his life for us so that we could be whole. Galatians 4, 5 says, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. The very reason God sent his son is to have a relationship with us. No performance is required. We don't have, there's nothing we can do to earn that. He has adopted us. All we have to do is say, come, Lord Jesus, come. As a matter of fact, performance in our faith is detrimental to our faith and relationship with Jesus. Bob Goff, who is an author that I like, and I follow him um, on Instagram, and I've read his book, he says this about that. What, when it matters more what our faith looks like than what it is, it isn't faith anymore, it's theater. So performance is not what God is looking for. We are accepted, we are adopted, a child of God, an heir of God. The God Almighty wants to enter into a personal relationship with us. The relationship that he wants so badly for us is a close relationship to where we would even call him Abba, Father, Papa. Papa. It's, an, it's not an impersonal God, but a God that wants us. All we have to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came, he lived a sin, sinless life, he died on the cross, and he rose again. And all we have to do is say yes. Yes, Lord Jesus, come. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Be with us. We believe you. We accept you. And we're saying yes to you. This morning, there's going to be prayer teams around. And as a matter of fact, I'd love to have the prayer teams just get ready to get into the places that um, you'll go. And I want you not to leave here if you need prayer of any kind this morning, but especially if you haven't entered into that relationship that Jesus so desperately wants with you, then they'll pray with you. And all you need to say is yes to Jesus. He's there. He's here. He's in our presence. The time is right 
right now. So um, if, if the prayer teams would make their way around the sanctuary, I would appreciate that. And as they're coming forward, um, if everyone will stand, I'm going to close by praying a prayer this morning. And again, I want to encourage you, come for prayer. Whether it's whatever your need is, please don't leave, leave this place without being touched, being, being encouraged by one of our prayer teams. So if you'll pray with me this morning. <clears throat> Abba Father, I thank you that you were at work behind the scenes of Mary and Joseph's, Joseph's journey to bring about your will. And in the same way, you are working behind the scenes of our lives to bring about your kingdom work. May you give us the courage to allow you to continue to grow and form us more and more into who you created us to be, empowered by your Holy Spirit to live out what you have called us to do for your glory. Thank you for becoming human, knowing the peculiar pangs of love and pain as we do. Thank you for pursuing the cross, knowing its cost, but also for the joy set before you. Thank you for wiring us to be unsatisfied by pleasure, knowing that you only satisfy. Thank you for giving us eternal hope in this temporal world. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.